Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. I learned to play guitar in high school, and I had, I had a few chords that I learned. I had my George Strait songbook, and I would just learn the songs, and I would sit on the tailgate with my buddies after school, and I'd play the song, and I was working on getting on that twang, like the twang, the twang in your voice. You gotta have a little twang in your voice, right, to get the country music sound, and they're like, man, you're pretty good at that. You should, you know, you should play for some people, and I just got all excited, and I would watch the country music awards, and I would see... I mean, we're talking about, guys, I came of age in the early to mid-90s, which was, in my opinion, my humble opinion, the pinnacle of country music. Okay, George Strait, Garth Brooks, Clint Black, Trisha Yearwood. I mean, the list just goes on and on and it's amazing people. And I would watch them win the big awards. And they'd say something like, I want to thank all my fans out there. You guys make this possible when we're out there on the road, you know. And they would say stuff like that. And I'd, you know, I'd be thinking about it at night, playing my guitar in my bedroom. And I would practice my speech. I don't know if y'all have ever practiced your speech before. Like you think you're going to win something and you're like, you know, I, I want to thank all my fans out there. But I was a new Christian, right? So I thought, you know, I've got to make this, I've got to make this Christian. So I'd be like, I just want to give all glory to my Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to thank all you fans out there for making this. Right? I, that was my dream. And I look back on that and it's funny. Like I, I, I laugh, I, you know, at myself and, and how I dream. But I'm just curious, like, what was your dream for life? What, what is your dream? Is there a dream inside of you for life? Um, the reason why I ask that question, because I think it, it hints at something a little bit deeper that goes on inside of the human heart, that all of us desire purpose, right? We all want our life to count for something. We want to find out what we're here for. And what's the unique thing that God's put inside of me, and, and, and how do I live that out, and how, I, how do I express that? I came across the words of Jesus in John 17, 4 this week, and he's at the ripe old age of 33 years old when he says this. He's in the, the, the last kind of days of his life. He's with his disciples. He's preparing them for the fact that he's going to be crucified. And he says this in prayer, John 17, 4, Father, I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Think about that. 33 years old. I've completed the work that you gave me to do. Now, some of you are a little bit past 33, okay? And you're like, I don't know if I've completed the work that God gave me to do. I don't even know what that is. Or maybe you're here and you're not 33 and you've got your whole life in front of you and you're like, I'd like to be able to say that. Like, I'd love to stand at the, at the end of this earthly life and stand before my heavenly father and say, I, I, I completed the work you gave me to do. There's something in us that wants purpose to make our life count for something, but how in the world do we find that? 
How do we do that? And, and what does that mean for us? And that's what I want us to talk about this morning, uh, of how do we discover that dream or that purpose that God has for us? We started this first week of the series talking about the Father's being, his character. And we know that we all have different stories. Some of you, your dad, your earthly father was amazing. Some of you, he was absent. Some of you, it was like, man, it was rough. And no matter what this scenario was, which, by the way, that is significant. It doesn't leave a mark on us. It's significant. I'm not saying it's not. But there, for every one of us, no matter what that was, there has to be a, a point where we say, okay, that was this. That, 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 that was my reality. But here is Heavenly Father. This is what he's like. We talked about his being. We said that out of his being, out of his goodness, flows his blessing. And last week we talked about the blessing and what does that mean for us? And we talked about how it bestows identity, how it, how it communicates acceptance, and it, and it gives, us, gives us approval, like that, that we are blessed through Jesus in the scandal of grace by, by, by living lives that were opposed to him in so many ways. And yet somehow, but by making this, this change of Jesus, I believe in you, I trust in you, I have faith in you, and being born again in Christ, that all of a sudden, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ Jesus. Wow. And then we live from that blessing, not for it. We talked about the difference between religious activity and just knowing, like we sang, I know who you say I am. This week, I want to talk about the Father's business. The Father's business. To do that, we're going to look at John chapter 15. If you have a copy of Scripture, you want to go with me there. John 15, we're going to start in verse 9. And this is the farewell discourse. This is that same portion that I was mentioning before where he's preparing his disciples for his departure. And in John, this takes up multiple chapters, and he's just finished talking about the beautiful portion of, I am the vine, you are the branches, my father's the vine dresser. And then he gets into this portion, starting in verse 9, and here's what Jesus says. He says, as the father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that my joy might be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Verse 15, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I've made known to you everything. Say everything with me. Everything. One more time, that was terrible. Everything, everything I've heard from my father. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. This is the word of the Lord. 
What I wanna do is take a few moments. I just wanna make sure we don't miss anything of what Jesus is saying, and then I'm gonna just make some points of what I think it means for us in regard to the Father's blessing and the Father's business. But I want you to look back at verse nine with me, and he says, as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you, and I just want you to think about that. How did the Father love Jesus? Like, what was the nature of his relationship to Jesus? I mean, he was all about his son, his beloved son. We talked about that as he pronounced his blessing. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. In the same measure of the father's love for Jesus, Jesus says, look, that's the way that I love you. That's the way that I care about you. Like, I'm just, I'm right there. I'm with you at all times. I'm for you. I'm here. I love you. In the same measure that the father loves me. But then he says this, remain in my love. Huh? Remain in it. How how does that work, Jesus? Well, keep my commands. Okay, what's your command? Love one another. So we are loved by Jesus with the same way that the Father loved Jesus. He loves us. And we're, we're supposed to stay in it, like picture like a, a waterfall coming down of love, and there's a place where that waterfall hits, and you can stand in it, or you can step out of it. In it, out. Here's how you remain in it. The flow of his love, by keeping his command. What's that? Oh, love one another. So somehow, in loving one another, we're like remaining in his love. And he says this phrase, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And I want you to understand, when he says your joy may be complete, that's almost like a picture of like a bowl. A bowl that's inside of you and it's your capacity for joy. Each one of us has a certain capacity by God for joy. He's given to us, right? And if you've ever felt joy, like not a contrived joy, but like a true, like inner joy, there's nothing like the joy of the Lord. He says, I've told you this so that my joy might be in that bowl. And that word complete means to be filled up to the brim. Like there's no more room. Like you're filled up all the way with joy. So what he's saying is this, I love you, remain in it, by loving one another, and and here's the deal, if you do that, here's what's gonna happen, your joy is gonna get filled up, and it's gonna be amazing. And you say, awesome, I'm in, Jesus, I want joy, I wanna remain in that waterfall of love, how, how do I do that? Greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends, right? Record, what? Here's how you remain in the love and here's how you love one another. Lay down your life for your friends. Wow. And if you do that, your joy will be full to the top. Now, that's the paradox of spiritual truth. All spiritual truth is paradoxical. We see that throughout the teachings of Jesus. If you want to be exalted, what does he say? Humble yourself. 
And if you exalt yourself, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be humbled. And here he says, look, here's the key to having love that's going to remain. It's going to abide. It's going to stay with you. You're going to have joy that fills up to the top. And here's the key. Die to yourself and lay down your life for your friends. Oh, and by the way, I've called you my friends. And then he uses this phrase, right? I no longer call you servants. He says this, a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything I've heard from my father. So here's what it means to be the friend of God. Jesus is going to let us in on what the father's doing. Now, he's used this verbiage one more time. Hang with me. I'm going to get to the points in just a second, but I want you to see this in John chapter 5, 19 and 20. Jesus has just healed a guy, and it's the Sabbath day, and it's a man that was lame for 38 years. He was by this pool of Bethesda that had this um, kind of this story that there was an angel that would stir the waters, and the first one in would get healed. And Jesus goes up to a guy who's been there 38 years on a stinking mat, Now, when I say stinking, I mean like literally the guy couldn't get up and go use the restroom, so this would have been nasty. 38 years, and he says, do you want to get well? And the guy says, I can't because there's no one that will lift me into the water. He said, no, 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 do you want to get well? And he heals the man, the man, he tells him, take up your mat. And what did the Jews get like all been out of shape about? The mat. Did you carry your mat today? Bro, it's a Sabbath day, right? They're upset about the mat. They're missing the miracle of God in this moment. And Jesus is responding to these guys. In verse 19 through 20, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. Things For the father loves the son, check this out, and shows him everything he's doing. And he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look, I know you have these man-made rules about the mat. Here's the deal. My father was healing today. Here's why I healed that guy, because the father wanted to heal him, and I only do what I see my father doing. And the father shows me everything he's doing. The father let Jesus into his business. Amen? Jesus always knew what the father was doing. But then, now we just read this, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's saying, look, here's the deal. Here's what it means to be my friend. I'm gonna let you in on everything the father has shown me, which, by the way, is everything the father's doing. So here's the first point. Jesus was always and only about the Father's business. Always and only. The the word was in the passage. The Son is not able to do anything on his own but only what he sees the Father doing. It wasn't like the add-on. 
Like, well, Peter and James want to go to the lake this weekend. Uh, Mary's having like a hummus and wine tasting party on Sunday. I don't want to miss that. So somewhere between like Saturday and Sunday afternoon, I'll be about the father's business. Right? It was like all of it, meals, going to the lake with disciples, climbing up mountaintops and talking to them, preaching from village to village, healing the sick, all of it was the father's business. And he was only about that, only about the father's business. Point two, as friends of Jesus, we are brought into the father's business. I will show you everything I'll make, I've made known to you everything the Father has told me. What's the Father told him? Everything he's doing. I only need to do what I see my Father doing. So here's what I don't want you to miss. That out of this blessing of the Father where we find identity and approval and acceptance and we know who we are and we can stand and live from that blessing that in that amazing scandal of grace, here's what he wants to do. He wants to include us in what he's doing. What the Father is doing. Jesus has brought us into the family business. I don't know if your family had a business growing up. I, uh, my dad is an architect, and he had started an architectural firm with a, a couple other business partners. And in high school, I got a job. Was I qualified for that job? No, I, I, I was learning as I, I was going. I, I didn't know CAD. I had to learn AutoCAD to be able to do the job. And I got to go and I, I got to be a part of the father's business. Why? It's my dad. He owns the company. <laughs> I get to come in, right? And here's the thing, friends, you and I, we're not qualified for the father's business. Right? It's not like we have all this expertise and I've studied the Bible for 28 years now. Now I'm ready. No. By the grace of God, through the finished work of Jesus, you are brought into the Father's business. Welcome. You're in. So Jesus has brought us in to the Father's Business And here's the thing about the Father's business. We want so badly that purpose in our life to count for something, but it's like he can't really let us into it until there seems to be like this point of desperation. Have you ever had one of those points before where you're like, oh, like I'm so sick of it, I'm so done with this, and God, I'll do anything. I shared the story of how God called me to plant this church, and guess what place I was in? That place. Like, Lord, I, I'm so frustrated. I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm, I, I'll do anything, God. I think of Isaiah, who's, who's in the presence of God in Isaiah chapter six, and all of a sudden, he's like, he has this incredible vision, and he hears a voice saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And he's like, here I am, send me. It's like the father's still scanning the earth saying, who's desperate, who's ready, who's saying, Father, I'll do anything. Because it's like he's just, he wants to get us into that place of surrender to where we say, you know what, I've had my dream, but I'm ready for a new dream. 
And Jesus wants to bring us into the Father's business. Point three, your Father's in the people business. Loving the Father means loving who he loves and what he loves. Jesus said, well, here's my command, love one another. That's what I want you to do. Which tells us that God's all about people. The Father loves people. People are made in his image. Amen? You're made in the image of God. Jesus dies to rescue and redeem people. For God so loved people that he sent his only begotten son, right? That we would not perish, but we'd have eternal life. Jesus lives to intercede for people. The Spirit has come to dwell within people. And now we're commanded to love people. So when you say, okay, God, I'm in. What are you doing? Father, I want to be about your business. What's your business? I'm in the people business. And to love him is to love what he loves and who he loves. But it also means that loving the Father means loving how he loves. And how does the Father love? Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. You're my friend if you do what I command. What did you command? Love people. Love one another. Jesus loved us sacrificially. He laid down his life for us. And so we're to follow his example, to lay down our lives for people. And he wants us to join him in the rescue and redemption of people, which means how are people rescued and redeemed? Well, we go, we share the gospel, we tell them about Jesus, we help them grow in what it means to follow Jesus, and we teach them to do the same thing. Go, share the gospel, make disciples, and teach others to do the same thing. That's the Father's business. He's in the people business. And here's the last point, point four. You'll never regret joining the Father's business. Now I'm not saying you won't have any regrets, but it won't be because you joined the Father's business. I don't think that we're gonna stand in glory, right? And be before our Father whose eyes are like blazing fire. And we're gonna think, I wish I would've spent a little less time serving people. I was like really into that. Or I, I wish I had loved people less. <laughs> I was so hung up on loving people, I, that was dumb. Like I, we're never gonna say that, right? Or I wish I had shared the gospel less frequently. We're never gonna have that thought in glory. Or I wish I'd given less money to kingdom work. That's what I wish. I could have used that for some, something else. 
Or I wish I had spent less time investing in other people and making disciples. I really wish I would have spent less time doing that. We're never going to have that thought because when we stand before the Father and we see things as they really are, when we see reality, we're going to think, oh, wow, I missed, I missed some moments. If I have a regret, it's that I just didn't, I didn't love. Like I, I was so like hung on to my rights and I just didn't want to lay them down for other people. I had, I had time, I had money, I had energy, I had things at my disposal and I used them on me instead of the people that God was calling me to. You'll never regret joining the Father's business. I, uh, I want to close with a story, maybe a couple of stories. When a pastor says, I want to close, you know it's like you got 15, 20 more minutes, so just hang on. I heard a story this week of a couple in California, Michael and Carol Hart, and they had a very successful business in California. They were faithful followers of Jesus. They loved the Lord. They served the church. They were awesome people. They were doing all the stuff we're talking about, investing their lives in other people, sharing the gospel. Faithful followers of Jesus. And uh, they had, because of the abundance of their business, they had an incredible custom home. They had really, really fancy cars. She wore a six-carat diamond ring. And one day... They heard that on a street corner in Thailand, you would be given a menu, and on the menu would have a list of what type of child you wanted for the night. This was before human trafficking was a thing that people talked about. And their heart broke. And they said, not while we're on the earth. No, that should not happen. And so they spent time just praying, asking the Lord, what do we do? And after days of praying together, they heard the Lord speak. And here's what the Lord said. He said, I've heard their cries, and I need your life. What happened is people who were living the dream got a new dream. And it didn't make them wealthier or healthier or wiser. It said this, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And so they took their custom home and their fancy cars and their six carat diamond ring and they said, God, it's yours. What do we do with it? And God showed them a plan and they started a ministry called Zoe International where they've been rescuing kids out of trafficking since 2002. Beautiful story. They got a new dream because they, they had a tap on their shoulder about the father's business that had to do with a certain people that God cared about. That's the business that our father is in. I heard another story. A man was sharing about his 
time growing up in the church and how it was just a really normal average church and there was nothing flashy about the church and he still came to know Jesus through this totally kind of normal church. But he said what blew me away is that every Sunday I watch my dad with his navy blazer grab two extra um, little cups of juice and two extra pieces of the communion bread and he took it to the nursing home because there were ladies in there that used to go to the church but they couldn't come anymore and they wanted to take the Lord's Supper. And so I watched him walk it into the nursing home every Sunday, and he would get on one knee and he would present it to the ladies, this is the blood of Christ shed for you, this is his body broken for you. And he said, nobody saw it but me and probably a nurse, but I know that that was God's heart. I thought, there's a guy who somehow caught wind of the father's dream to care for people. So here's what I hope that we receive this morning. I think God wants to give us new dreams. Amen? The Father wants to give us new dreams. They're dreams about people. And you might be successful. You might have a slamming business and you get to just use money to do stuff for people. Praise God. All of it's the Father's business. Amen? But whatever it is, it's going to cost you. It will cost you. And you'll never regret it. Uh, Jimmy Cyber, pastor of Antioch Church, issued a prayer challenge. And I, I saw this and I, I wanted to just put it on the screens for you because I think it's beautiful. It's so pertinent to what we're talking about. This was the prayer challenge. And he was talking about a season of their church life where um, they were asking God, like, what do we do now? What's next? God, where are you taking us? And this was a prayer that emerged from that season. And it says, God, I'll do anything for anyone who's on your heart at my expense for your glory. Trusting that the richness of where you lead me will develop something in me that will be the greatest treasure I could ever find. I want to say that again because it's so beautiful and rich. God, I'll do anything for anyone who's on your heart at my expense for your glory. Trusting that the richness of where you lead me will develop something in me that will be the greatest treasure I could ever find. Meaning this, you'll never regret it. But God, I'll do anything for anyone on your heart, who's on your heart at my expense. Is that a prayer that you want to pray? Is that a prayer that, that speaks to you, that calls to you, that you sense the Father tapping you on the shoulder saying, are you ready to join the family business? Oh, and by the way, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce fruit. It's gonna count for something, and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. When you give yourself to that, 
your life will count for something and you'll never regret it. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.